0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Today, I'm going to be ministering out of John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And this is during the time when Jesus just performed His first miracle. Whether the water was turned into wine... And I'm going to start in verse 13. But before I do, I kind of want to set it up a little bit. Now, this whole month, or this whole year, we have been given a word of multiplication. This has been the prophetic word for our church this year. And at the beginning of January, I preached. For the whole month, actually about a month and a half, about multiplying and stewarding God's word and serving God with our life, being committed, worshiping him, honoring him. And I haven't spoke about it in a, quite a few months now. It's been about seven or eight months. So I want to take us back to the beginning of January right now, but with a understanding that God has zeal for his house. That Jesus has a zeal for his house. In John chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade or a den of thieves. In verse 17, the context for today, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. That word zeal means to be, have a warmth of feeling for or against, to be zealous or to be jealous, to have an enthusiasm A rivalry. It also means this, to boil with a burning emotion, or to boil over, or to boil from heat. It means to be very fervent, or what we would say red hot. Say red hot. As with spirit-fueled zeal to serve the Lord. This root is also used in this context as hot enough to boil. And another word of saying is burning with anger, burning with love, burning with jealousy for what is good or bad. Now, Jesus goes into the temple. And now the temple where is a place where God is supposed to be honored. is where people go to worship. This is the place where they come to bring praises to God, learn scripture, grow and develop. And Jesus comes into the scene, he comes into the temple, and he sees them money changers. They are literally worshiping their flesh or their natural desire than God. They are living for themselves in the temple of God. But Jesus, it said that he had a zeal, and this scripture comes from Psalm 69.9, for zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. That's Psalm 69.9. Now that word consume means to eat up. Eat up inside, eat until it's finished, to devour, to annoy, to even injure. It literally means to be eaten up inside. Have you ever had a desire for something that it eats you up inside? Maybe it was for a relationship. Maybe it was for a loved one. Maybe it was for a job, whatever the case may be. It said that Jesus has a zeal for his house, and it eats at him it consumes him now i'm going somewhere so let me build this up because as i was praying last night god was giving me this prophetic picture from this passage of scripture of his body who is the house of the lord today who we are very important to remember this second corinthians 11:2 or sorry second corinthians 6, verse 14 through 18. 2 Corinthians 6, it says this in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? See, this is what it was. It was idol worship in the temple when Jesus showed up to the scene. They were worshiping for themselves. It was no longer worship unto God. No, it became a den of thieves, a house of trade. It became something that it was not supposed to be. And how many times do we allow the church of God in our day and age to become something that it's not supposed to be? This is not created by man. Can I just help you today? The church is not created by a person, by an ideology or a perspective or a good idea. No, this is God's idea and it is his plan for man to be the church. Now it says... In verse 16, what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Who is the temple? We are. We are the house of God. He dwells where? In us. In you. In me. And as I was praying last night, I felt the Holy Spirit say this. I have a zeal for you. I was praying in that office. And I literally felt it ring as clear as day, I have a zeal for you, Jacob. And I didn't. And I heard it. I'm like, what do you mean? You have a zeal for me. And I go to the scripture in John chapter 2 because I was reading it a couple weeks ago. And I didn't think anything of it. I had a completely different message for this morning. And so I go back to John 2 and I start reading. And it says, the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So I'm like, okay, you have a zeal for your house, the temple in that time. But then he asked me, well, who's the house now? And I'm like, well, I know when I got saved that the Holy Spirit, now he dwells in me. I'm a temple for where the Holy Spirit lives. Well, God is spirit. So, okay, I'm the house of God. I'm a temple where you, I'm the temple. My body is a temple. I house you. So if that's true, then that means, oh, wow. You have a zeal for me. You have a jealous for me, a jealousy for me. Look at this, Second Corinthians 11:2. Paul speaking, "For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ." The amplified version says, "I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. A godly jealousy. What does that mean? that God is jealous for his bride? Who's his bride? Who's the bride of Christ? You are. It's getting somewhere. Hold on. I'm just building a little bit. I have promised you to one husband. Well, who's the husband in this picture? Jesus. A pure version to Christ. Now, if Jesus has a zeal for me, he has a zeal for you. And it says that the zeal for your house will consume me or it eats at me, meaning it eats at him when his house or his body or you begin to live in a way that he did not create you to live. He, you live in a way where he did not call you to live into. This house, this temple in John chapter 2 became a place of trade, a den of thieves, it became about the wrong thing. And how often do we begin to live out of the wrong place, out of the wrong way in our own life? We have to be very careful with how we live. You're not your own anymore. You are his. And it says that he has a zeal for you. He is jealous of his bride. He don't want to share you with nobody. He don't want to share you with no thing. He don't want to share you with nothing. This jealousy is the same word in 2 Corinthians 11, the same word in John chapter 2. They're literally the same word. In John chapter 2, we see Jesus go into the temple, start turning over tables, driving out the people, and then his disciples remembering what was written, zeal for your house will consume me. This word zeal, again, it means jealous, zeal, boiling hot, boiling with anger. See, how you live your life, do you know that it can affect the Holy Spirit in you? The Bible says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a wind, a flame, some symbolic thing. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. And the Bible says that he dwells in you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Living stones, every single one of you are living stones, and we are coming together as a spiritual house. He dwells in this house. Church is not just a place where we come together to hang out. Church is not just a place where we come together to sing songs, to get an inspiring word, to get motivated, feel a little bit of, you know, whatever you want to call it, your furia. No. Church is about coming into the presence of God, and going back to Romans chapter 12, we come here, we, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present. We are presenting ourselves, Presenting what? Our bodies. Our life. This house. This temple. Because I know God has a zeal for it. Because I know God is jealous for me. And so if God has a zeal for my life, well, then I should have a zeal for his life or for his church. See, this is a relationship. I'm jealous for my wife. No other man will have my wife. I promise you that. And she thinks the same way. So, in the same way with God, or the same way my wife is the same way with God. He's zealous for me, he's jealous for me, but guess what? You got to be zealous for him too. Nothing can take his place in your life, no business plan. No friendship, no relationship, no addiction, weakness, no, because I'm zealous for him. He's zealous for me. The Bible says that it consumes him. Literally, it eats at him. Think about that. That's the love of God for you guys. I don't think we understand this. We get we allow the word of God to become too common to us. We read scriptures like... You know I am yours and you are mine. I me, mean, think about it. You are His, and so when I understand that I am His, and that being zealous for a house is consuming me, I live in a manner. Let's continue in Romans twelve. That is a living sacrifice, holy. Say holy. No one wants to talk about holiness anymore, so let me talk about holiness for a little bit. Holy means consecrated, set apart. I'm not living like the world. You go back to 2 Corinthians 6, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? See, what happens is the church, the body of Christ, we try to bring idol worship into the house of God. We try to do it in our relationships. We try to do it in our own personal life. But God has called you to live holy, set apart, consecrated, not living for yourself. Let's call it like it is. Let's stop playing church, but let's be the church. Because there are people out there that need to see the light. And how can I shine bright with this light in me if I'm completely consumed by darkness all the time? I'm not able to. So what does that mean? Well, the manner that I walk in changes. I change. Continue on in Romans chapter 12. It says this. So what is reasonable worship? What is actual worship to God? Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2. This is what it is. By not being conformed to this world, but be transformed, not conformed, transformed, by what? The renewing of your mind. So my spiritual worship unto God, the least that I could do is by not being conformed to this world, but by being transformed. What does that mean? Well, the things of the world no longer excite me. I got no desire for them. Whether it be music, whether it be drugs, whether it be a relationship, whatever the case may be, if it's not godly, count me out. And you say, well, those things still attract me. I still want those things. That's because it's an unrenewed mind that you are living in. You're just not renewing your mind. See, if you see it as just a bunch of do's and don'ts and regulations and rules, you'll never do it. No, it's a relationship. It's an intimacy. It's a desire. It's having a zeal for God. I can't do it. I reverence you, God. I honor you. When it comes to honor The Bible says this, let love be genuine, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, look at that, do not be slothful in zeal, and jealousy, boiling with anger, boiling with love, not talking about human anger, no, 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 no. A spiritual anger, meaning I have to serve God. I can't live this way anymore. I can't be like this. I need to commit my life. See, this whole year has been about multiplication, but how can we multiply as an individual when I'm constantly being dominated by sin, when I'm constantly living according to my flesh, when I'm constantly allowing the affluence of others to dictate how I live? It's gonna be really hard to see God's word produce or profitable in my life. And we try to blame it on Satan and the devil. He's just attacking me. He's going after me. No, it's not. It's you living in an unrenewed mind. But there's hope. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Who does the transformation? The Spirit of God in you. Meaning you got to get in place where the Spirit is. Meaning you have to have intimacy. Meaning Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Very familiar passage of scripture. Verse five. It says this For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. The wages of sin is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. If you're not experiencing life and peace and harmony and unity and joy and love and laughter and the fruit of the Spirit, then I would question how are you living today? What is the dominating force in your life? For to set the mind, or for the mind that is set on the flesh, get this, it's hostile to God. It's hostile. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. See, a life of a Christian is surrender. It's submission. Surrender, submission unto God. But when you are living in your flesh, it says that you are hostile to him and you can't even submit to God. There's no possible way. It says this, those who are in the flesh also cannot please God. Please, God. So that means, get this, you can have all the faith in the world because you know that faith pleases God, right? We see that in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith pleases God. But guess what? If you're living in sin and living after your flesh, you're not pleasing God. You can have all the faith in the world. And usually the reason why you're not seeing the answers to what you're praying for and believing for is because of unrepented sin. Habitual sin. You say, well, no, that can't be true. God, he, he sent his son. He died on the cross for me. Yeah, he did. For you to live transformed, for you to turn from it. To turn. What do you think repentance means? Turn. Turn from it. You're saying, well, I can't. I'm keep on trying. Then I would say, who's holding you accountable? Who holds you accountable? Is it just yourself? Good luck. It's going to be hard to hold yourself accountable. You need somebody in your life to hold you accountable. If it's your wife, it's your wife. If it's your pastor, it's your pastor. If it's another person, but you need to be held accountable, meaning they can tell you the truth and you won't get offended and mad at it and say, forget you. Now, you may get upset in the moment. That's all right. That's human emotion. I get it. But because you know they love you and they care for you, you'll receive it. I have people like that in my life. Pastor Brian's that person in my life. My dad's that person in my life. And they can tell me the truth. And sometimes it hurts. It hurts. But I know I need it. But can I tell you what it's for? It's for my spiritual growth. It's for my development. And see, most people don't want to grow. They don't want to develop. They want to stay where they are and they want to reap all the benefits. But you can't. You got to grow. You have to develop in order to see God's promises work in your life. Now, the Bible says this and continuing in continuing Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. He dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So remember, you are a three-part being, you are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul or you have a flesh. So your spirit in you, guess what? It's righteous. It says the spirit is life because of righteousness. You're alive. So that thing in you, the spirit of God or the spirit in you, your spirit, it's holy. It's righteous. This is why we got to submit our flesh or subject our flesh to that spirit. This is where renewing our mind comes into place. This is where uh, surrendering our life to God. It says in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through what? His spirit who dwells in you. You have life today. See, the reality is there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of good things that God has given you. So don't allow a message like this to cause condemnation. The reality is what causes condemnation and guilt and shame is sin. Not God. But the word will offend you. It will. Because it challenges you. If you go to a church where you're not getting challenged and the word's not offending you, run. Run. That means you're living comfortable Christianity and being a casual follower. Because when you are a committed believer... Through the process of grope, growth, you will change drastically for the rest of your life. And it will be uncomfortable. And once you think you got a handle on it and you're all good and nothing needs to change, I've been serving God for 30 years. I've been serving God for 50 years and I'm, I know everything, man. I read the Bible, I've read it 10 times. I know by heart. I speak in tongues, I cast the demons out. Oh, yeah, I, I've seen people do that, I've seen it all, but their hearts still be far from God. It's because it's religion. Is tradition of men and is spiritually dead now the Bible says this oh, I right. sorry that don't bother me I like it let me say this this is really important. When it comes to being a house where God dwells, what is worship? True New Testament worship is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. God wants transfigured bodies and he wants transformed minds. These are the spiritual sacrifices the Bible says that the believer is to offer up to God. To God. Many people are trying to serve God with the same old, unrenewed mind they had before they were born again. And I can tell you, that's why you're having all the trouble. That's why you're having difficulty. That's why you feel like you're just completely just in a battle and struggling to even get afloat. See, you're serving God with your body and with your thoughts rather than with your spirit. What if I don't feel it? You were never supposed to feel it. Feeling is not the indicator of what I have in Christ. It's knowledge. The Bible says that my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. What do you know today? Whatever you do know to be true, live from that place. You may not have the same level of knowledge that someone might have that's been serving God for a while. That's fine. Live from what you do know and continue to grow. Don't be discouraged by other people because they know a lot more than you. Because i me just help you. Because sometimes when you see people that know a lot more than you, they know how to put a good mask on. I know people that have been serving God for years and they still struggle with the same struggles. Guess what? That's life. The Bible never said... And Jesus never said, you weren't going to have struggles in this world. No, actually, the, the fact is, you're going to have struggles in this world. If anyone promised you a, promise, a problem-free life, they lied to you. Welcome to Christianity. A lot of problems. But guess what? You have victory. You have victory even in your problems. <laughs> you can rest knowing that it's been taken care of through Jesus. And you stand at the level of the word of God that you received, And also from the place of what he has done from you, done for you. Now, I live according to the knowledge I have. See, and that's what makes this church so unique, is because this church didn't start because of a good idea. This church started because of a prophetic word given to Pastor Brian in the 90s. To move from Texas, to come and plant a church. It was a prophetic word and everything and how it was spoken. And if you want to know more about it, come to ArborSuit Belong. And even this message in itself is prophetic for the church today, for us. Do you have a zeal for the house of God? Does it eat at you? Does it consume you? When you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? When you go to bed, what's the last thought? You say, does it really have to be like that? Why wouldn't it be like that? Like, what's holding you back? What do you think you're getting in life when you separate yourself from him or when you give him just Sunday mornings? You can't serve God just on Sunday mornings. And I've seen Christians try to do it many years, and all I see is constant, the same trials, the same issues. But then I've seen people faithful to the house of God do all the right things, but they have no personal relationship outside of church. Ministry isn't relationship with God. Let me help you today. This, what I do, all this, that's not my, that's not my uh, relationship with God. No. This is just what God's grace and gifted me to do as a person. And every single person has their own gifting and own graces that God has given you. And it's for the body. Not for, it's, not for, it's not for us. It's for the body, meaning us collectively, not just individually. That's why you can't do church on your own. I don't know whoever told you that. They're wrong. Church is a body. And your gift and your grace that God has given you is needed in the house. But what I'm saying in all of this is that what you give your most time to is what's most valuable to you. These people were worshiping their flesh, their needs. It became about, and see, we usually see the scripture is like, oh, churches aren't supposed to have a bookstore, they're not supposed to have a cafe, they're not supposed to sell merch and do all that, and that's not what he's saying here. If, if it comes about those things, then yes, that's wrong. If it becomes anything else than just worshiping God and pursuing after God, then yeah, it's wrong. See, that's what happened. The main thing changed. It was no longer worship unto God. It was for themselves. Church is never about, I come to church, I sit, I enjoy the lights, I enjoy the music, I get to meet some people that are like me, that are relevant to me. Do they have a young adults? Um, do, do, they, do they have a good you know uh, place where I'm going to be able to fit in and use what I have? See, this is the concepts and ideas that we bring into the house of God. Rather than it should be God Did you call me here because if you did, I'll serve you. I'll give you my life no matter if I ever get a microphone, no matter if I ever work in a ministry because I just want to serve you and be part of the body. You don't hear that much anymore. i got to have position before I really can start serving. No, you don't. The Bible says this, the greatest of these are the ones that serve. That was my paraphrasing. Serving, service, service unto God. See, it takes work and discipline to renew your mind. Work and discipline. If you're still living in an unrenewed mind, These are probably the two areas that you need to look at and begin to say, am I working towards God in a relationship with God, and do I have discipline? A man that lacks discipline or a woman that lacks discipline, it becomes chaotic. This is why vision is important. The Bible says without vision, my people cast off restraint. This is why a church should have vision in what they're doing and where they're going and what they're doing. And you may say, well, I only see about 50 people in here. But you got a really big vision. Of course we do. Because we know where we're going. We know where the direction we're headed. And we're just going to keep on plowing. See, the problem is you can't get people to stick because they're living in an unrenewed mind all the time. And let me tell you, this church, we're gonna pastor you, meaning I wanna know you. I wanna know you. I wanna know you. I wanna know the areas of your weaknesses so I can help you get out of them, so I can lead you to Jesus and lead you to the Word, and so that you can live in a place of victory. I wanna help equip you because that's the purpose of the minister, of the fivefold gifts, of the offices, is to equip, guess who? You, the body, the sheep. For what? The work of the ministry, meaning what you've been called into is working. You're workers for the ministry, meaning you're ministers. I'm not just a minister. I know you know we use those words interchangeably sometimes. You're ministers. To be a witness. Why do you think the spirit of God is in you? Just like Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, I put my spirit in you, or you shall receive power to be what? My witnesses. You're a witness. And how do you witness that? Through laying hands on the sick, casting demons out, testifying of the goodness of God, giving your testimony, getting people saved, discipling and walking with others. Now, it takes work and discipline to renew your mind. It doesn't come by simply attending church or by praying. And let me help you, it doesn't come overnight sometimes. Some, you may see that, man, instantly. For others, and I'll be honest, for majority, it's process. It's process. And it isn't always going to look like this. It's going to be promising. But just because it's like this in life doesn't mean I have to be like that. Even when things are going downward sometimes, there may be lack in my business. My kids may be living and just doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I may be experiencing some hard hardships in life, naturally. But I know who I am spiritually. I know who God says I am. And Lord, you're helping me. Even the spirit of God that you put in me, it bears witness in my spirit. See, God's given you every single tool that you could possibly need to live and serve Him because He knew that it was going to be a challenge serving Him. He knew it. The Bible says to cast all your cares upon the Lord for He cares for you. The Bible also says to rest in Him knowing that He has overcome the world. The Bible says count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. I mean, look, there's scripture for every single thing that you can ever possibly think of. Now, I'm closing. It requires diligent meditation in God's word, learning to change your ways and patterns of thinking to line up with what his word says. Let me just help you. People always say, what is God's will? His will is his word. If you wanna know the will of God, it's not by trying to get someone just to prophesy over you and getting a word. That that does happen, but it always comes through his word, his word. And see, renewing our minds is not an option if we're going to be New Testament worshipers. It's not an option. You have to. You have to. A transformed mind is part of spiritual worship that we offer up to God. There's so much more I can say, but instead of not. Let me just give you four scriptures about you being a dwelling place for God. Revelations 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Hebrews eight. Ten, For this is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah 32, 38. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Ezekiel. 37, 26 through 27. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them and will be their God and they shall be my people. One more scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple And that God's Spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.